Welcome to another episode of This Catholic Life, conversations about life's ups and downs, big and small, how we deal with every situation imaginable, whatever life throws at us, but still manage to be sensible, practical, and joyful. Today's show is about strong language, a conversation about swearing, cursing, strong language by any definition. I'm your host, Peter Holmes, and today I'm joined by Ryan Galliott, co-host. Welcome, Ryan. Hello. And by Mark Shea uh, from across the the ocean. I won't say which one because I always get it wrong, but across the ocean. Welcome, Mark. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> the Pacific. Glad to be it here. Is the, it is the Pacific for you in Seattle, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yes, good. I, I think I said Pacific and Simca Fisher took me up on that because she's on the other side. Oh, yes. It's it's a big country. Um, yeah. About as, as big as Australia. From, yeah. <laughs> Simca's as far away from me as you can get and still be in North America. There you go. So, Before we get started, um, just a reminder to listeners that if you like the show, you should subscribe on your podcast app and you won't miss an episode. Okay, so strong language. What do we mean by strong language? I thought I'd start with a little uh, story about my own upbringing. I was brought up in a small evangelical church in the country uh, in southeast Victoria. And basically, I don't think anyone ever said it out loud, but swearing was basically considered sinful that if you utter anything, um, you know, any kind of word that was uh, is off, it was not done. And in, and in particular, it was particularly offensive to say it in front of the ladies. That was absolutely the offence of the century. I distinctly remember uh, when we were out um, managing some ferrets and uh, chasing rabbits that I had put my arm down a rabbit hole to, to bring a ferret out and it bit me. And I don't know if you know much about ferrets, but when they bite, they lock on and it's extremely painful. And I uttered a fairly mild swear word and I, my dad hit me over the head with like slap, gave me one of those slaps <laughs> over the head. And he had to bend down because my face was pressed onto the ground under this <laughs> getting bitten by a ferret. He slapped me over the head and there's no call for that language. <laughs> I said, the ferret's got my finger. There's no call for it anyway. There's no excuse. <laughs> Uh, the irony, of course, is that when I went to public school in the the local school, it was almost the, it was the near universal language of the public school. <laughs> we constantly swear. Box, you're nodding at me. There <laughs> is that your experience in school? Oh yeah, I mean, I went to a I went to a Catholic high school, and uh, it was just sort of expected that it would be there. <laughs> yeah, amongst the, uh, yeah, that's right. Other teams. It seems, though, I have to say, in Australia, that it seems as if swearing is much more a part of our culture, that it's almost people were suspicious of you if you didn't swear in my school. Um, in fact, the fact that I had gotten used to uh, alternative swear words, so I said jolly a lot when I was in school because that's what my, you know, my parents would let me get away with or flippin' or things like this. And if you said that, you were mocked in, the, in I don't know if it's true of other schools, but my impression is that there's a, a sensitivity to swearing, particularly in the US, um, in the Christian end of things, Mark. Would, th would that be accurate? Yeah, I think that's true. Uh, it's, uh, it, I, I can't speak for Australia, of course, but uh, in the US, among some sorts of Christians <laughs> uh, and evangelicals, that's pretty common. There's a sort of, um, I, I identify it with Puritanism. Right. Uh, there's a there's a uh, a Puritan worry about using what I would just call uh, uh, vulgarity. 
Right. That's a that's an important distinction there, isn't it? Between right, and a, and we probably should make that distinction between blasphemy, crude or vulgar references, or right. um, things which take things which are special or precious to us and make them into something profane. So right. Mm. So if if um, for example, the word um, bloody seems to come from the from a reference to Christ's uh, wounds, there seems to be that kind of sacred blood or something like that involved. Or it's a corruption of By Our Lady. Uh, and that's one of the ah, weird things about, uh, about vulgarity is that uh, long after the origins of the vulgarity are gone, right. people still think this is somehow it's an inappropriate thing to say, even though they no longer know why. Well, this is, this is an interesting uh, thing because, I mean, Ryan, you can back me up on this. In most cases in school, people were using swear words almost constantly without any understanding and particularly when we were younger we mm. didn't understand the sexual references we didn't understand the mm. you know the quite crude references and then right. I, I'm, I remember um when my own children got to a certain age i said to them right this is a cone of silence you can't get in trouble for anything you say now you can ask me anything you like and almost always they just listed off a bunch of words they'd heard mm -hmm. and then mm. i remember Two of my sons, when I've gone through this exercise, have come out with exactly the same response, that when, when I explained what the words actually meant, they said, oh, my goodness, you've got to stop us saying these things. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, you may recall, I don't let you say these things. Mm, yet, right. But they were saying, but you've got to be stricter. That's important. <laughs> there, there's a couple of interesting things about I come at this as an english major nerd right uh, uh th there's a couple of things that uh, th to me are interesting one is the that <clears throat> uh scripture really comes down very hard on uh on on profanity or swearing uh, and by that, Scripture means you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain in other words, blasphemy of a kind blasphemy yeah uh sacrilegious use of language but that means a lot more uh than you know just uh you know demanding that god damn this or that or the other thing right um uh it, what it really has to do with is the idea of calling god as witness and ally to uh your lie Yes, or your mm. uh, uh, act of dishonesty. So uh, even it might even be. I think that a sin against the commandment not to take the Lord's name in vain could be a televangelist, for example, claiming that God has told everyone that they need to send him twenty dollars. Mm. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, here in the United States, there was a yeah, there was a prosperity uh, gospel preacher who was uh, you know. Uh, uh, calling basically calling on God, calling on angelic hosts and so forth to uh, make uh, Trump the winner of the election. And right. it's like, that's, you can ask for that, <laughs> uh, yeah. but you cannot, you know, command God somehow to do this or promise in the name of God that this is going to happen when you don't know that that's going to happen. And when in fact, uh, this is not going to happen. Uh, right. And, and so all of those sorts of things uh, are 
uh, acts of uh, false witness. So it's interesting in Australia, I don't know what it's like in America, Mark, but in Australia, um, my impression is that someone saying, oh my God, is so common, um, especially amongst the schoolgirls, um, whereas the swearing is slightly less common, but it's you can get away with saying, oh, my God, because mm. and mm-hmm. this, is the, this is the fine line to draw. I yelled that aloud once when I was in a car accident. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, I, I said Jesus Christ quite loudly, and mm-hmm. I was quite mortified at myself for saying it, and then I realized, actually, that was a prayer <laughs> because there's another right, car yeah. coming towards yeah. me at, at right. a fast pace. And, and this, is, this is the line. Ryan, would you say that this is the line between there is a right way to use the name of God yeah. and then mm-hmm. there's a blasphemous way? So, Ryan, you're nodding right. away there. What have you got? Uh, it, it all comes down to intent. I mean, so much of it comes down to intent, um, which can be misconstrued by people that are external to our inward <laughs> minds and selves, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. Yeah. I have and have uh, all my life as a Christian, I've had a scruple. Uh, against saying uh, uh, things like "Oh my God" or "God damn it," uh, precisely because I really, again, English major nerd here. <laughs> I really do take the use of language very seriously, uh, and so it uh, really, uh, you know, would be people will casually say, you know, things like. Uh, uh, go to hell or, or, or God damn you and things like that. And yeah, I get it. Sometimes, you know, John, when John Wayne says go to hell, he just means get lost. And I get that. And, you know, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time worrying about that. Uh, but at the same time, there's a curious way in which the more casual, the use of, Oh my God, to me, I, I, I give other people a ton of leeway when they do that because i realize they don't no one has ever said don't take the name of god casually like that and so it it, it is i recognize in american english it's just a, a way of saying wow it's an interesting thing that the people in australia who say jesus christ most are people who don't actually <laughs> believe in jesus christ sure. um so and and therefore it's interesting paul makes a distinction in in his letters of having a standard for Christians because they know what they should be doing and having right. another standard for others. Now, but we're still yeah, talking here exactly. about Christian use of language. I yeah. want to bring in something a little naughty here and talk about the Bible's use of crude language. And mm-hmm. um, uh, Paul, we know, he used um, quite crude language when he was referring to his own accomplishments. So when he says, I consider all these things, these amazing human accomplishments, which I, I have and birthrights and all the, the, the brownie points I get for the Jews, I consider <laughs> them to be Scanlon. Uh, this, this, um, Skubala. Yeah, Skubala. Sorry, you're right. Scanlon's That's different. Right. But uh, Skubala, which is this, prof- it, it's a vile word. It actually refers to um, a mix of awful things. I'm not going to repeat it here on the podcast, but it mix a mix of awful things. Um, right. Which was very bad language in Greek. <laughs> well, po- polite translators render it as refuse. Yes, More refuse. accurate translators <laughs> render it as dung. Well, even, uh, and it's this, even worse by the that. way, this, by the way, brings us to something very interesting and is, I don't know if it's a feature of other languages, but it has been a feature of English 
since uh, the Norman Conquest, and it's this. Uh, and it, it tells us, I think, something very profound about English-speaking culture, uh, which is that uh, English bifurcated uh, after the Norman Conquest uh, in an interesting way, so that we have we have a very rich language, and part of that has to do with the fact that it is overwhelmingly dominated by class distinctions. Right. So, uh, what happened after the Norman Conquest was that you had English words that came out of, among other things, Anglo-Saxon and uh, Germanic tongues uh, and and, uh, Nordic tongues, which are also uh, a form of Germanic tongues. And then you also had words that came out of Latin. Right. Uh, the Latin words uh, came, were, were brought here by French speakers who wound up running England after the, <laughs> after the Norman Conquest. And this, this percolates all the way down to American English and to Australian English as well. But what it meant uh, was that the upper class uh, woman would menstruate and expectorate and copulate right whereas the lower class woman would bleed at okay <laughs> well you all, can you can work out the, the math others, on the yes. other <laughs> on the other words right and uh, bleed and spit and yeah yeah and 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 this is something very interesting so among other things uh uh if you're being polite it, it's not vulgar to say feces in right. english uh, but it is vulgar to use the Anglo-Saxon cognate. Right. Yes, and and that says a lot because uh, what happens then is what gets attached to that is the idea that to be economically lower class is also to be bad. Yeah, not just bad, but mm-hmm. um, in some way. Um, uh, not good enough to become good because the, the whole um you know the right. the class system is actually about your identity not just about your current social standing right yeah yeah and so if i can come back to the scriptural thing um you've got uh people like ezekiel using quite strong language and what's interesting about this is it's going against that flow so he's quite well educated and he's right. speaking to the upper class women of israel who are wallowing in their riches and using the poor and there's a kind of a very profoundly immoral thing going on and when ezekiel is describing their relationships with uh kings and rich people from other nations around them he describes Mm -hmm. them as like he's he's using words which we wouldn't use in proper english even if we're swearing (laughs) so he's (laughs) describing their 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 lust for these these fellows and he's calling them some of the worst names that i have ever heard a lady called and it's right. it's profoundly um offensive in hebrew and that's why he's using it and right. this is this is mm-hmm. my point that there my objection my main objection to even crude language is that it leaves you nowhere to go if you really need it if you use it all the mm-hmm. time you know all emphasis right. yeah. no emphasis so there are some moments where, um, uh, you know, a, a well-chosen word could be 
you know, could be understandable and in fact appropriate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's something right, happens. Yeah. What yeah. the what the heck is going on might be um, not enough in certain circumstances. But uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, there is there is the uh, story of uh, there's the the story of Elijah and the pre and the prophets of Baal. Uh, he basically <laughs> challenges the prophets of Baal to a contest and says, "Whoever's got whoever." Whichever God answers uh, the prayer, he is God. Yep. And so, you know, they 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 set up the altar and they put the sacrifice in the altar and they and and uh, and he says, "Okay, do your thing." And, <laughs> and the uh, so the prophets of Baal do what was the custom of the prophet of Baal, which was uh, it, it, the idea is very deeply embedded in in. Um, uh, some forms of religion, and unfortunately, not just with Christians. And so the prophets of Baal are gashing themselves all over with knives because, you know, the more the more suffering you inflict on yourself, the more somehow or other the powers have to like give you a payoff for that. And and <laughs> but what's fascinating about that whole exchange is that you have Elijah, the holy man of God, saying, "Well, maybe he's." away on a journey or and, and he, you know so there's those kinds of things but then he says in essence in hebrew he says maybe he's taking a leak <laughs> <laughs> yes. and uh and you know that's just a that is a fantastic moment yes but this it's is- always politely translated but that's what he means well, there's a lot of things that are, are very carefully and politely translated in in from the Hebrew into English, which, again, do reveal, I think, the fact that, um, and maybe maybe you can uh, confirm this or deny, but I've always suspected that because the translations into English, the original kind of um, definitive translations into English, which sort of set the tone for our English translations, were in a period of time in England when there was a Puritan sort of right. overwhelming mm. Puritan thing. You get in the Song of Songs, for example, um, a, a reference which explicitly um, ref- a lady refers to her future husband's loins by comparing them to an elephant's tusk. Um, and and it's very delicately <laughs> yes. translated into he- into our English as his his torso is like ivory. Um, so there's a there's a kind of a an avoidance, if you like, of reference to anything that we would see as oh oh that's a little bit um, yeah you know and even part of the evidence here is that this we're not going to be swearing on this podcast because uh, there are some who would be offended by that right well it's interesting there's also the phenomenon of linguistic drift um, so in the King James version which is is deliberately rendered in pious English. Uh, uh, I think it's Jehu, one of the bad kings of the of the closest that Israel ever got to a good king, and he was still awful. Um, <laughs> is I, I think it's Jehu is told that uh, there will not be left to him a descent any descendant who quote pisseth against the wall right. in other words a male descendant <laughs> yeah, yes. um, but what's fascinating is that in the english of king james time piss is just that's just the word that you mm. use for urine it's not there's nothing crude about it it's just 
that's what it's called. Yep. And, um, and, but that is a word that has undergone a kind of linguistic drift in our day so that it's kind of a vulgarity now. Right. And, and that's fascinating because one of the things that it points to is how language changes over time. So, for example, um, Don, we now are gay apparel. Uh, gay has a different meaning now. Yes. Uh, it just does. You know? And by the way, in, in King James's time, words like uh, uh, King James, uh, uh, I think it was James, uh, praises the building of St. Paul's Cathedral uh, by calling it awful and artificial. Right. Both of which were terms of high praise at that time, because what they meant at that time was awesome and extremely well-crafted. Actually, there's a similar thing in, in Pride and Prejudice, where they talk about condescension as being an absolutely brilliant thing, where someone of a much higher rank yeah. uh, condescends by literally yeah. they give uh, the gift of their attention, their, their, their social right. uh, interaction to someone who, who is much lower, who they don't need to, according to their strata right now mm. the reason we don't like is is because of the very implication that anyone could be higher than anybody else. yeah right yeah 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 <laughs> yeah so but one of the things that's interesting is that because i think of the puritan streak uh that came in strength both to my country and yours uh because it was uh it was the outcasts of england who came <laughs> to my country and even more to your country. Yeah. They weren't uh, so much outcasts uh, as, uh, yeah, as criminals. Incarcerated, <laughs> yes. Right, right. Uh, but what's interesting is that the pure, you know, the, there's a um, Garrison Keeler, one of our humorists over here, remarks that uh, the Puritans came to the New World because they sought the freedom to be harsher with themselves than English law allowed. <laughs> and. Chesterton reflects the same attitude when he says in America they have a feast to celebrate the arrival of the pilgrims. In England, we should have a feast to celebrate their departure. <laughs> so, you know, English society remained Catholic, but the but the real extremists are the ones who came here to the United States, and they brought with them, among other things, I think, a, a, a discomfort with the body. Right. That is not something that Catholic, more Mediterranean Catholic culture lacked that. Um, Ryan, you've had a, a fair bit of experience with different cultures in the Catholic world. Can you reflect on that a little bit outside of our Western culture and this whole discomfort with the body thing? Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean... I think there's just, at least in, in the Filipino culture, that the I'm aware of. It's it's a a thing of we don't mention it unless it's for like medical reasons or whatever. You know, we don't tend to talk right. about that stuff. Mm -hmm. As as kids, you know, we come up with pet names for for body parts and but um really in in polite polite conversation <laughs> and even even here, 
in Australia when I first moved here, moved here, and uh, a lot of the Asian cultures that I've met, there's a similar thing where you know this, this right. the appropriateness of using it, but it's almost shameful to talk about your body, I guess, right. in mm. a certain it's parts of your body. Interesting though, though Mark, because yeah. I, I wanted to get that perspective, Mark, because we're talking about Anglo cultures there, and I I think from what I've heard, it is also shared by a, a number of Asian cultures. Yeah, but the Mediterranean. Yeah. I mean, there's this. You remember the Simpsons Heaven episode, um, where Bart and and um, Ma- I think it's Madge has is it Marge has a um, a dream of Homer and of Bart heaven. going to heaven. <laughs> and, yes. You know the the Protestant Catholic heaven, heaven and Protestant heaven. <laughs> Protestant heaven has the croquet and the very correct whitely dressed people, and the Mediterranean heaven is the Catholic one where they're boozing up and and throwing Jesus in the air. Um, <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. It is, it's funny because the Mediterraneans, maybe this this comment that I heard from a friend who had been to Spain a lot, and he's a, he's from a Scottish background, but he goes to Spain to kind of counteract the cultural um, biases. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said that um, in England they tend to make very few laws and then enforce them rigidly whereas in the Mediterranean they tend to make lots of laws and ignore them generally. <laughs> right. List all the exceptions. That explains canon law. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> it also explains how Western countries apply canon law. They, they either completely just ignore it because it's not from our country or um, right. or they apply it so rigidly that you, it's almost it loses its purpose because its purpose yeah. is to regulate the gospel and regulate our our facilitation of the gospel whereas it right. turns into a law in itself yeah so yeah so and you know an anglo driver will stop at a stop sign in the middle of the mojave desert because <laughs> it's a stop sign and so you have to stop because that's the law and you know even if there's nobody around for a thousand miles you know meanwhile i mean italian drivers <laughs> <laughs> yes are, yikes yes. you know um <laughs> But yeah, so you know, one of the things that I was struck by, for example, is uh, there's a uh, before the Reformation, there's a a very ancient song in English that dates from the 14th century called "Sumeris Acuminin," and uh, uh, the the the, uh, the modern translation of it is hilarious because it's it's rendered something like you know the uh, the the buck jumps and the deer leaps or something like this but very clearly what it says is the buck ferteth uh <laughs> summer's coming in the bucks are <laughs> farting you know it's great to be alive <laughs> and there was no there's no consciousness that this is somehow inappropriate this is right. just mm. yeah you know isn't ain't it grand to be alive yeah and uh and a lot of that changes with with the rise of puritanism right uh and that carries over to the united states well uh, so since, since we're getting towards the end of this discussion we probably should be okay. pretty clear that um so what we've agreed on so far is that cursing and blasphemy are absolutely out in terms of it, when a christian understands god's name we should not misuse it we should be always mm. very careful to correctly if we're claiming that god is saying something that we're correct in that and that we're not yeah. speaking beyond our means. We should also say that, um, obviously, it's, as Ryan said, it's a lot to do with intention. If people rattle off names they don't fully understand, we'd be patient and kind with people. Um, but in terms of crudity, on the one hand, it's not 
you know, the worst sin in the world. It's just crude. But on the other hand, mm -hmm. probably we could work on our English vocabulary, describe things much more clearly and carefully <laughs> if we if we was less lazy with our language. But mm -hmm. when the time is right, perhaps there is an appropriate moment for um, a strong language when strong language is the only thing that we'll get through. Flannery O'Connor, who famously said, when people are deaf, you shout, uh, was once asked, you know, what she thought of the doctrine of the Eucharist as a symbol. And her reply as a good, pious Catholic was, if it's a symbol, then the hell with it. Wow. <laughs> that is solid theology. <laughs> it's, well, it, it actually checks out even in the literal sense. All right. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> We better leave it there. That's it for this week's podcast. If today's discussion got you thinking or arguing or swearing at your podcast device, let us know. You can subscribe <laughs> at the website, thiscatholiclife.com.au, or you can check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or Discord. Uh, make sure to write us a review on iTunes. Uh, I don't think they have censorship there. Remember that this is a uniquely Australian Catholic podcast, and we think that's an idea worth getting behind. So tell your friends. It's just time for a shout-out. So, Box, do you want to lead us out with the shout-out? Uh, yeah, a shout-out to my my mum, who's celebrated her birthday recently. So, Excellent. Um, Lovely. Mark, do you have a shout-out? I have a shout-out to my dad, who died this day, uh, 1983. God Excellent. rest your soul, Dad. Amen. I'm going to shout-out to a workmate who I came... Actually, I came to work for a Catholic organisation, and... He challenged me on this. Uh, I had a go at him for swearing, and he actually um, challenged me on the, whether it was sinful. Um, and we had a long, long philosophical discussion about it. Um, thanks for that. Uh, I won't say the name because it's someone well-known in Sydney, and I don't want to get them into trouble. <laughs> <laughs> That's all for now. Thank you for listening to This Catholic Life. <laughs>